I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by none other than the man, the myth, the legend. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. I'm getting astounded by these, the lack of uh, criticism. And Yeah, don't get used to it. Um, <laughs> we're back with our league table predictions here on the Second Tier. You are listening to the number one championship-specific podcast, the Second Tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. As I say... We're back with our league table predictions. This is part two. And in this one, we're going from 16th to 9th. Just a reminder that the way we did this was I made a league table, Justin picked a league table, and then we merged them together into one hideous being. (laughs) And so here we go. We're going to go through the sides who are going to finish mid-table this season. We reckon maybe slightly involved in a relegation battle, may have a small chance at the playoffs. But by and large filling the middle of the sandwich in the championship so justin who have we got in 16th first of all we've gone with swansea city and there's a lot of reasons why i think the restlessness of pre-season is one issue and also the lack of top quality that they had last season compared to this season is another reason why so a lot of question marks at swansea for this season yeah you could say that they've had the worst summer in the championship this season, other than obviously the county. Very, very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their squad has been torn apart. And I was looking at the team that started in the playoff final, and there's a good chance that six of those players won't be there mm-hmm. by the end of this transfer window. They've lost their three best players, and the next two could be going as well. And as well as that, the manager's gone. Steve Cooper walked out on the club a week or two ago. And at the time of recording, they don't have a manager. But by the time this episode goes out, I imagine it will be MK Don's manager, Russell Martin, who will be taken over. An appointment which I am a fan of. But right Love now, it. I'd have to say it's a downgrade on Steve Cooper. Um, Experience-wise, Based off yes. the job that he's done over the past two seasons. Steve, well, yeah, Steve Cooper did a great job, and I think Russell Martin's still a bit of a um, an unknown entity, especially at championship level. Uh, you got MK Don's close to the playoffs last season, but it didn't quite get them over the line, and they had a pretty decent squad. But the football, I think, he's been chosen because of the style of football that he plays, and it's yeah. a very good, attractive possession style of football. Um, and as you say, with Steve Cooper, I think a bit harsh saying he walked out in the club. I think they opened the door for him, and then he walked out. Um, so but as yeah, but the door was open for him. He still had to walk out. He wasn't chucked well, out, was he? <laughs> well, that is true. Um, but as you say, it's, it's been a significant summer for for Swansea. Lost some key players. Connor Roberts is out injured. Matt Grimes is on. I'd say 
heavily rumoured to be joining somebody else at the time of recording. So it's it's a massive headache for Swansea, and I imagine for a lot of Swansea fans as well. Yeah, and you've only got to cast your mind back to last season when Swansea looked a completely different side with Andre Ayew not being mm. in the team, and that's going to be a regular thing this season. So yeah. they've got to try and figure out how they're going to progress without him. And kind of tying into that, you've got to figure out where the goals are going to come from because mm-hmm. Jamal Lowe wasn't the most reliable in front of goal last season. And the next highest goal scorer at the club right now is right back Connor Roberts. Joel Pirro has come in from PSV, a striker who's only young and has only got three goals in his last two seasons in the Eredivisie. So it's nervous times at Swansea. I, I, as I said in last Sunday's episode, or a week ago on Sunday, it wouldn't surprise me if they're looking over their shoulder at some point this season just because of how much turnover there has been in this squad. But it's not all bad, is it, Justin? The players who remain from that playoff side are still obviously quality players and they have got some good young players coming into the first team oh, yeah. who could establish themselves. No, absolutely. I mean, Ben Cabango is a, 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 an obvious one. There's Liam Cullen who's looked pretty sharp in, in pre-season. There's a good crop of young players coming through. It's just, I think Swansea are just finding themselves in a, in a transition, which is frustrating given the position they were in over the last two seasons. I think there was an opportunity to invest in the side and it didn't quite happen, which is why they're in this position. But what they're getting is a, is a good, young, hungry manager who plays a, a very nice style of football. That's something to build on. They've got a good crop of young players coming through, as you say. They've got a lot of players who have a high, high, high value um, in terms of, They've got. They've still got a lot of time to to play, a lot of a lot of room to grow as well, which is only good things for for Swansea City. So yeah, although it's a sixteenth place prediction here, it's not all doom and gloom. There's there's positives to be looked at, and it shouldn't be seen as a as a negative. It's just a transition. Yeah, and their main incoming in terms of transfers this summer was Liam Walsh, who's joined on a free from Bristol City, a player who we're fans of here on the second tier. Oh, yeah. So. Like see how he'll develop in the uh, next 12 months. In 15th, we've got Birmingham City. And it's a season of reasonable excitement at St. Andrews <laughs> for once. And it is all down to the appointment of Lee Bowyer as manager, Justin. Yeah, well, I mean, how he turned the team around last season was incredible because they were they were, they were were certs for relegation under Ita Karanka. The, the change in manager was done too far too late because a poor form pretty much stretched from September up until when he was sacked, when Karanka was sacked. So yeah, Bowie coming in, it's a good match. He's an ex-player. He's, he knows what he wants. I think the key thing is he knows what he wants. He knows how he wants to play. Um, he knows the player strengths as well and he's recruited to those player strengths. And although 15th place is a, a relatively low finish, I think it's a massive improvement for Birmingham City because I think this will be the first season in many years that they're not looking over their shoulder. I think they'll be comfortable in avoiding relegation because, as I say, they recruited incredibly well. Well, I think 15th will be their highest um, finish in the past five seasons. That goes to show how often they've been fighting relegation in that time. And Boya has brought much-needed positivity back to Birmingham and I think that is a really important aspect that there is this good feel factor at the club for after years and years of 
you know, negativity. Mm. Uh, this time last year, me and Birmingham fans had a bit of a disagreement over their transfer business. I said... I didn't think any of it particularly impressed me. I think I was eventually proved right. But their success, their business this summer has been much, much more successful. Ryan Woods has joined. Um, he'll bring a loads of creativity and passing range from midfield. Dion Sanderson was time. a very solid fullback at Cardiff a couple of seasons ago and uh, by all accounts did quite well at Sunderland last season. Juxaniki, Jordan Graham could also be turned could also turn out to be good bits of business for Blues. The real standout one is Tav Chong on loan from Manchester United, tricky winger who I think plenty was expected of him at one point from mm. Man United and he's still fairly young now so he's still very capable of achieving that and Birmingham will give him the chance to show what he's capable of this season and I'm excited to see what he can do and he's also got a lot of hair Um, (laughs) the big negative really and it's a pretty simple one is I just think other teams in the division have better squads than Blues and that's probably a good thing for Birmingham City at this point because as I say over the past few years there's always been one eye on the bottom three with them, with the squads that they've got. But this this season, um, as, as, as I've mentioned, I don't think they'll be near it. They've got a, a good squad and a good squad that is going to progress. There's clearly a game plan from, from Lee Bowyer and that's put balls in the box. Ryan Woods, one of his key attributes is, is, is accurate diagonals. He's going to get the ball out to wide areas. Jordan Graham, who did very well for Gillingham last season, is a winger. As you, as you mentioned, Heath Chong, another tricky winger and then you've got your, uh, Lukas Jukovic and Sam Cosgrove up front uh, as a potential duo so there's a there's a clear game plan from Bauer, uh, from Bowyer he knows what he wants and it's going to be a good season or a relatively good season for, for Blues this season Yeah, after multiple seasons of just staying up a campaign of mid-table mediocrity should be seen as progress by Blues fans when they look back on this season assuming that they do finish mid-table of course in 14th, who have we got, Justin? I mean, it's quite hard to say this one because I, I really enjoyed this side last season, but it is Reading. Um, and obviously the main reason is because, again, another team under a transfer embargo, not made any signings yet, lost a lot of good players. So again, they're a team that are that are going to dip for the upcoming season, I think, or we think. Well, people, people accuse me of being biased against Reading. Where did you put them in your table, Justin? I can't remember. You had them 17th. I'll tell you where you had them. Okay. I am 13th, so there you go. Every season, Justin, there is one team who are particularly difficult to pinpoint where they're going to finish, where they could probably finish anywhere in the table. This season, I think, is Reading. You can't rule out the playoffs, but I don't think you can rule out a relegation battle either. They could finish absolutely anywhere in the division this season. The headline is they've lost Michael Elise and Omar Richards. And Yaku Meite is going to miss pretty much all season through an ACL injury. Similarly to Swansea, that is a worrying number of key players to lose, isn't it? And then no signings made due to the aforementioned embargo. The squad is very thin. So on the playing side of things, there is concerns. You're spot on, and I think that's the reason why I put them 17th in my table. Is because, as you said, if if embargo gets uh, lifted and they can bring in players, two or three players, and you could see Reading rise up the table quite comfortably. But 
at current standing and the squad that they have, I don't think it's enough to get them into mid table. Um, and it is a, it is disappointing because there's there's the arc of a very good side there. Um, but as you say, if they lose Lucas Shaw through injury like they did last season, can can George Puskas step up? I don't think he can because he didn't do it last season. Um, and then they've obviously lost. Well, they, they released Aluko and Sam Bardock. So that extra added depth, although they weren't too productive last season, it that depth isn't there. They've always had a good academy, but you can't be relying on youngsters to get you into the top half because they're they're unchallenged raw talent. So yeah, losing the likes of Michael Elise, Yakamate to injury is especially going forwards. I think defensively they'll they'll be quite tidy because they've still got uh, Josh Lawrence, Andy Rinomata. And he's still got a very decent back four with the likes of Morrison, Moore, uh, Yeardham, McIntyre. There's a very good back four there. Um, but it's just going forward, I think, might be a bit, bit, a bit of an issue for Reading this season. Yeah, I have seen other championship predictions have Reading very close to the relegation zone. But I think their real negatives this season have been a bit overblown. I think the, the foundations of this squad are still very much there. You look oh, at yeah. Josh Laurent and Andy Renamota in midfield, two players who had fantastic seasons last season, and mm-hmm. they're still going to be crucial to this side. Michael Elise is gone, but John Swift is already there, and he stays fit. He stays fit. Then you've got yourself one of the best players, one of the best playmakers in the championship. If, if he gets back to form as well, uh, Ovi Ajaria as well, very talented player. If Lucas Xiao can get back to his best, then we all know what he's capable of. And then that defence, as you say is very solid and you've got McIntyre and Holmes, two young lads who I really expect to kick on this season and Rafael Cabral in goal is a very good goalkeeper. So I, I do massively think that any um, any accusations that Reading are in massive, massive danger of going down this season is massively overblown. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it will be a season of regression, but I don't think it's going to be as regressive as people have been making out mm-hmm. um, I will say this though Velko Panovic's job isn't 100% secure and that is a concern here heading into the season isn't it yeah it is he's one of their managers that fall under a bracket of obviously finishing 7th seventh, 7th last season being in the playoffs for so long uh, and then dropping out it's not going to look too good at the top and then if Reading get off to a poor start we know that they've got the, the Reading ownership we've got previous for second managers quite quite early on the likes of Gomez Paul Clement they've all suffered the same fate so Panovic could could suffer the same but obviously we interviewed Michael Morrison and uh, Josh Lawrence in the summer little plugs there um, and the insight they gave into Panovic was, was was very positive um, so you know hopefully it, it is fine for Reading in the coming season it, it, with their start and he, and he stays in a job because he sounds like a very talented manager to be fair, they're not going to slug off the manager, are they? That is a good point. Um, <laughs> 13th place, we have got Peterborough, Justin. And this is one of the rare teams in the table who we disagreed over. I had them to finish 17th, which I would say would be a good season for Posh. You had them all the way up in 11th. I did. Hence why they're so far up in our table, ladies and gentlemen. It's got to be said, I haven't seen anyone else really have Peterborough as high as 17th. So for you to go out of your way to put them 11th, Justin, is a ballsy old shout. It is, isn't it? And I'll take it all day. I'm I'm absolutely confident in Peterborough uh, this season. The reason why is, attacking-wise, they're going to be good in the Championship and they're going to be a lot better than the teams that are going to finish below them. 
defensively, I don't think they're as bad as people think. They had the fourth best defence in League One last season. And they conceded the fifth least amount of shots last season as well in League One. The stats back them up, I think, to have a, a fairly productive season in the Championship. And as we've mentioned before, Darren Ferguson's experienced at all levels, really, because he's been there and done it with Peterborough three times in the cha- well in League One in the Championship. So I think there's a lot there for for Peterborough to be positive about and that's why I've got them quite high up and as I've said attacking wise I think they're a lot better than the teams that are around them and would we'll, we'll finish below them I think you're getting a bit carried away I'm um, getting carried away <laughs> well I, I don't understand why you have completely dismissed the idea that they are a bit shaky defensively because may I remind you Coventry when they got promoted from League One conceded the fewest goals in the division came up to the championship, had the worst defensive record in the championship last season. It's a big transition when you go from dominating games each week in League One to then being on not dominating games each week in the championship. And it's a struggle for defences to transition to that. I mean, it's a fair argument to make, but they're totally different teams and the way they play are completely different and as I said Peterborough's main strength is their attacking prowess and Darren Ferguson's coaching I know Jack Marriott has not pulled up any trees in at championship level but what he has got is a is a coach and a club that backs him so I think as a second striker either playing alongside Johnson Clark Harris or as a backup is a very good option then you've got Dembele there's Sammy Schmodix as well who's got a point to prove at championship level there's a lot going forwards there and they play they play a, a, an expansive 3-5-2 which has been it's been it's been a very popular formation in the championship so I think that's going to cover them defensively as well I'm not going to disagree that they're going to score a lot of goals this season because I think they will I think they'll be a very entertaining side to watch but part of that is because I think they're also going to concede a lot of goals and I can't see them finishing um, mid-table I think 17th as I say would be a good season for Posh and I don't think they should get too carried away by looking too much further really um, and I also have concerns about Darren Ferguson in the championship doesn't have the best record in the second tier and that's something that needs to be improved on admittedly they have signed Josh Knight who is a who had a great season with Wickham last season when he was playing in defence slash midfield. So he will add a bit more defensive solidity, but they will concede goals this season. I don't think you can undersell that. And the idea of them being mid-table, I think, is a long shot. But I do think Peterborough will have a good season and they should um, provide plenty of entertainment. Johnson Clark-Harris is going to score a hat for this season. Siriki Dembele, Sammy Schmodix, both very entertaining creative players as well. Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll go through our teams who we think are going to finish 12th to 9th. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Me and Justin have settled our differences in the break by having a good old scrap over how we think Peterborough are going to do this season. Do you think they're going to be your Rotherham this season where you just blindly back them all the way? Probably. They'll probably finish bottom as well, won't they? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are now looking at the top half of the table, Justin, and every team from this point onwards has got a fair shout of the playoffs in my opinion. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think as we obviously 
the lower positions, uh, probably a, obviously a, a lower chance, but the teams as we progress for upwards have had the better chances. But yeah, to certainly certainly in with a shout. Yeah, they'll be definitely eyeing it up. And we start off with the team we've got to finish 12th, and that is Barnsley. A side who blew everything out of the water last season, Justin, have lost players over the summer, but I don't think they're going to have a completely disastrous season in comparison, are they? No, definitely not. And I think any suggestion that that is the case should just be rubbish straight away. They're a team that are are now... an established team and I think a lot of clubs around them will be seeing them as a bit of a scalp they're a progressive club they're a forward thinking club they're very well run not only have they lost players but they lost Dane Murphy the CEO to, to Nottingham Forest which is which is a big loss but as a club you expect them to to, to replace them I and mean, look how quickly they replaced Valerian Ishmael with Mocker's shot it's 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 a team or a club that looks forward and for that reason I don't think a mid-table finish should be seen as a uh, as a failure. I think it's still progress for Barnsley because you know some teams have got to take two two steps backwards to take three or four steps forwards, and I think that's one of those seasons. And of course, a new manager, new style of play, new new thought process. Um, it's always going to be a bit of a uh, not a risk, but a bit of a, a settling in period. Um, and obviously, Marcus Shop's going to go through that, as as did Struber, as did as did Ishmael. Yeah, well, the two key players they've lost, Alex Marrett and Daryl DK. I don't think you can undersell how important a player Alex Marrett was to this Barnsley mm-hmm. side, and he is one of the key reasons why we have got Barnsley much lower than they finished last season. Daryl DK scored goals for fun. Don't think he'll be as big a, a miss as Alex Marrett, but will still be a miss. And then obviously losing Varian Ishmeld, who performed an outstanding job at Barnsley last season, replaced by Marcus Shop. Who knows how he could do. He plays a similar style to Ishmael, but not completely similar. Not it's as more direct. Counter- yeah, it's more counter-attacking. Yeah. He prefers a back four. It's going to be interesting to see how Barnsley transition into that because that back three last season was a very solid side and it was difficult for teams to break down. So how the transition is going to be interesting. Obviously, when a team of Barnsley stature overachieves like they do then there is a fear that they will get taken apart but it's not been that too bad because apart from the two players I've just mentioned it's not really happened it's a young squad so the players that remain are only going to get better in my opinion you've got Callum Stiles who looks like the successor to Alex Marwitz in midfield and then you've got Clark Adore who's going to fill that gap that's been left by Stiles and we all know how good Barnsley are at recruiting and they've been busy boys busy boys over the summer they brought in Obi Olari from Standard Age, who I think is going to be a replacement for Daryl DK up front. I know he's a big lad. And Devante <laughs> Cole from Motherwell's come in as well. Not sure about that because his record up in Scotland wasn't the most sensational, but it's a signing nonetheless and adds a few more bodies up front. So, Barnsley have an interesting side to see this season, aren't they? They're another one who are quite difficult to nail down as to where they're going to finish. They are, and I think... Transfer wise, I think they've done they they done well. You, you talk about um, Obi Alari, six foot four. He adds that physicality that Daryl DK had. Um, I think one player who obviously didn't come in in this window, came in the last window, is, is Carlton Morris, and another one is Liam Kitching. I think Liam Kitching's going to have a, a a breakout season. He was obviously injured last season uh, when he came in from Forest Green Rovers, but 
looked like he would step up um, towards the end of the season. Um, and then you've got, as I said, Carl Morris, who I think is going to have a, a massive season for for Barnsley. Uh, he looked in, well. He looked very good with the ball at his feet. He's a good poacher. He's a good finisher as well. He looks like he's got the whole package, which is a massive coup for for Barnsley because his record at MK Dons while I was on loan uh, in the first half of last season wasn't very good, and Norwich were happy to allow him to go. So again, it's going to be another step up for him. But as you say. I think Barnsley are in a, a very tidy position where they've got players to come in to replace the players that have left and a manager. Um, and not many teams have that. You look at Swansea and Derby who are in uh, and even Reading who are in a bit of a, a pickle because they've not had those players to step in. Barnsley have and look how high we're predicting them to finish. It could be higher. Yeah. Who have we got 11th, Justin? We've gone with Millwall, which is a bit of a surprise because I had Millwall a little bit higher. Yeah, well, Millwall are, again, being tipped as a bit of a dark horse this season by plenty of people. And it's clear to see why, because they have been that side who have been kind of knocking on the door of the playoffs for quite some time, but just not really got round to establish themselves as a proper contender for the playoffs, really. But there's no reason why that can't change this season. I I think this season's... uh... I wouldn't say the season, but I think this season is as close as they will get. Um, I think the likes of Jed Wallace is going to always have suitors. Uh, Sean Hodgson has been incredibly consistent, as has Jake Cooper. So how long can Millwall keep hold of them? Because there'll be players sniffing around them at at some point. So I think this season is the last season where they can really, really make a go of it. And I think, as I've said, they... As I said before, actually, they've recruited quite well in the summer, brought in Scott Malone on a, on a free transfer on a permanent, which is a massive addition because he was such a danger at left wing back. He was a he was a third striker at times, wasn't he? And then Benikafobi, I think Benikafobi is the the final, not the final nail in the coffin, the final piece piece of the puzzle. I don't know where I got nail in the coffin. That's 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 a negative, isn't it? Yes, very negative. Yeah, um, but you are right. They they have recruited well in the summer. George Savile's come back, and he's a, a very, very he's a very solid championship midfielder. Dan Ballard's come in from Arsenal on loan. He was at Blackpool last season, and the thought of a back three of Cooper, Hutchinson, and Ballard is quite a it's a very sturdy defence, isn't it? And it's going to be difficult for teams to break that down. I mean, you kind of expect that with Millwall, but with Ballard, it's only going to be even sturdier. Um, The Millwall board are aware this is a long-term project, and I think they will have patience if things aren't particularly panning out as well as people are expecting this season. Because Rauer is doing a good job there, isn't he? It's one that's a bit understated, but he is making progress with this Millwall side. He's, he's doing a great job. I think defensively, they've, they've kept 30 clean sheets um, since Rowett joined, which is just in just over 18 months, which is a, a fantastic um, achievement for, for Millwall. I mean, we always expect Millwall to be good defensively. I think the the main issue is getting... I mean, they had we were expecting them to, to create a draw record last season because they were drawing so many games. So it's clearly one of the issues that needs to be addressed is going 1-0 up, going 2-0 up and finishing teams off and turning the draws into wins, which is a bit of a cliche, but it's what Millwall need to do. And if they can do that, they can easily be a top six team, but it's how consistently they can do that because they can draw four or five on the trial. I think they did that last November, um, which it's not a bad one to form, but you need to be winning games. And um, if you want to have aspirations of, of being a top six team, you've got to be more ruthless. And I think the additions of Afobe, George Savile will give that emphasis on on 
on achieving that. Well, there's a lot of emphasis really on a phobe this season, isn't there? Because if you want to finish games off, you need to be scoring goals. And Benic Phobe is seemingly what Millwall are hoping will be the answer to their striker problems from the past few seasons. I think they had, what, five strikers last season? Ken Zahor, Troy Parrott, Matt Smith, Bud Varson. There's another one in there. Bradshaw. Bradshaw. Yeah, five strikers. None of them really kicked on, did they? Mm. And that was ultimately what led to them missing out on a proper playoff challenge last season. Benekophobi, will he be the answer? And unfortunately, that's the main reason why I have got them quite low down in my predictions, because I'm just not sure he will. Because he only got he got five goals for Traps on Sport last season, Justin. He's a man who's been out of form for quite some time. He showed signs that he might be getting back to his best at Bristol City a couple of seasons ago, but it's a big ask trying to get a striker who has been out of form for so long, trying to get him to, I don't know, 15 goals. Um, and if it doesn't work, what then? Well, they've got Jed Wallace. Well, Jed Wallace, yeah. He's been doing it now for the past two seasons, but they need someone else to add yeah, up alongside yeah. him. They've got Mason Bennett as well, who is a big physical lad, but doesn't really contribute much in terms of goals and assists. But... Yeah, I'm just that. That's my main concern with Millwall. But if he does hit the ground running, then Millwall are a frightening prospect this season. A player to keep out for, keep an eye out for, young Billy Mitchell, who is going to have his first full season, and he looks a good prospect after moving to Millwall from EastEnders. Um, who, have we, <laughs> <laughs> who have we got in temps, Justin? Uh, yeah, sorry, you were really serious and then not serious for uh, yeah, very good, very good transition. We've got Luton, <laughs> we've got Luton, uh, and the reason why is because the job Nathan Jones is doing is, is clearly very good. Mid-table finish last season, tenth place finish is, is progress for them this season, and they've recruited incredibly well. They've done their recruitment early. They've plugged gaps that needed plugging, um, and they've brought in some players who will will need a bit of. Uh, coaching to get better, but they've also brought in some really experienced championship players who will who will do a job. Look at you bigging up Luton. May I point I out Luton. that I had Luton seventh, but you pegged us back by oh, putting come Luton. Off it. You hang on, you put them twelfth. Mid table, still progress. You massive party pooper. <laughs> I'm very excited by Luton this year. I think they have been the most popular dark horse going. To the point that they're not really a dark horse anymore because everyone's been talking up Luton's chances. And it's easy to see why, because they're arguably the side who have improved the most over the summer. I won't go through them all, but Alan Campbell from Motherwell is... Yeah, he, he comes from Scotland with rave reviews. He looks to bring a bit of energy into the Luton midfield. Reese Burke from Hull, who we were just talking about a minute ago when we talk about Hull, probably their best defender in the League One last season. Carlos Mendez Gomez from Morecambe. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the first of Ryan's players to keep an eye out for this season because the 22-year-old joins after a very impressive season at Morecambe. 16 goals from the left wing. He's, he's got a fantastic story. I, from what I've read, he came from Atletico Madrid, from the youth system there, just came to England hoping to get a trial somewhere, went to Morecambe and just tore a league to a part. And now here he is cropping up at Luton and he will be there getting on the end of chances, but also creating chances as well. He's a very, very exciting player and 
I wonder if he might not be at Luton for very long if he hits the ground running just because I'm expecting big, big things from him this season. So first of my players to keep an eye out for. Um, but these players have been added to what is already a very solid squad. After all, it finished 12th last season and only eight points behind Reading in seventh. So big things expected of Luton this season, Justin. No, absolutely. Uh, defensively, they've they've added uh, in midfield. They've added up front. They've added. I think the pickups of Cameron Drome and Henry Lansbury are, are very shrewd um, additions to the to the team. Although Cameron Drome's thirty four, he scored a hatful of goals from K Dons last season, um, and he's a player that brings a bit more presence to that to that lineup and 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 plugs a gap really because James Collins has left. They needed to bring in a striker, and they brought in one of the best championship strikers of recent history you, you could say record. he's got a very good record and Henry Lansbury not done much for a few years but he's a good experienced player who's going to be a useful squad player um, and then you've got players that are still there Simon Sluger for me I think can be one of the best goalkeepers in the league next season he's, he's really progressed from that disaster of a start he had to his Luton career so there's, there's just there's quality everywhere in this Luton team and all for a bargain really Oh yeah, it's a side that's been cobbled together from free transfers and fees that are in the hundreds of thousands. It's really not much at all. Adebayo up front is someone I really fancy to kick on this season and score quite a few goals and bully mm-hmm. defenders in the process as well. It's just generally a club rapidly moving in the right direction, isn't it? And that's something that I always look out for in teams. If you get a graph showing Luton's final position from every season since 2017, then it's a ridiculously steep rise. (laughs) And I don't think there's any reason why they can't improve on it again. The only concern I'd have is if Luton are aiming for the playoffs this season, then they would need a number of players to have basically the best seasons of their career so far. Not out of the question when, you know, a couple of players hit form, the rest may also hit form as well. But have to wait and see. Big things expected the Luton this season. Justin, in ninth, we've got Middlesbrough. And I'll say this. There's been a lot of talk about there being a top four this season, featuring the relegated sides plus Bournemouth. I think it's because there aren't many obvious contenders to be really up there. But mm-hmm. a team who could potentially be up there, in my opinion, is Middlesbrough. Mm-hmm. But... I also see them being capable of having another season like the last one where they're tough to beat but lacking in certain areas. What are you thinking? Yeah, Borough are a strange one. I, I know you mentioned about Reading being one of those teams that you just really struggle to place them. Uh, and Borough were that for me. And mainly, you know, they're nowhere, not going to finish anywhere near the bottom half. Um, it was a top half where I was like, will they finish in the playoffs? And then a little thought came into my head about, well, it's Neil Warnock. They might get automatics. Because he's he's done it with teams where they've come from nowhere. Cardiff City, for example, didn't expect to finish in the playoffs, let alone the top two, and they did that. So you you just can't rule it out. And and what what he's put together this summer again, he knows what he needs to do to turn this team into a, from a from a playoff challenging side to a playoff side, um, and maybe even more. And all the players he's brought in are very Neil Warnock players, aren't they? And they're all over six foot one. So. He knows he, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he wants. He knows how to get the best out of these players. And he's got rid of the players that he, I wouldn't say can't trust, but can't rely on. And he's brought in players that he knows he'll get a lot out of. I mean, Duncan Watmore is one of those examples where he brings him in on the off chance on a, on a month deal, does really well. It's just a Neil Warnock signing. And then, he, and then he just progresses from there. 
And that's what Neil Warnock does, and that's why he can't rule them out of a of a top six finish. You can never rule out a Neil Warnock side, can you? The Neil Warnock factor is just massive. And they have got very, very strong foundations of a promotion-chasing side here. The defence is a brick wall. Dale Fry, Paddy McNair, quality last season. And we'll have to do it again this season. Marcus Tavernier is someone who's getting better and better at a very rapid rate. It's quite frightening, actually. And if he continues to do that, then he's going to cause plenty of fullbacks nightmares this season. An interesting one is Martin Piero who hasn't signed for them yet, but is an Argentine wonder kid who has been persistently linked with Middlesbrough for the past month and a bit, but yeah. for some reason hasn't signed yet. And they'd be hoping to get that over the over the line very soon. It does look like it is going to happen eventually, but it'll be interesting to see how he takes to uh, Teesside. Um, so, yeah, th- th- there are the foundations of every strong team here. It's just in certain areas where I've got my concerns. Namely, the striker position, Uchiik Piazzu, someone who we were given rave reviews for Wickham last season for his hold-up play, winning the ball in the air, but he misses a lot of chances. And that was in a Wickham side who didn't create many chances. Can they rely on him as Middlesbrough's main source for goals this season? That's a concern. Because they've lost to Sombolonga and Fletcher, who were steady championship goal scorers mm-hmm. and the only other option is Tuber Akpom now. So that was Middlesbrough's main downfall this season, uh, last season, sorry. I'm not sure if Ick Piazza improves that. And then the goalkeeper, I'm very concerned about. Joe Lumley at the moment looks like the number one choice. Marcus Bettinelli had a bang average season for Borough last season on loan from Fulham. He's gone and Joe Lumley looks as if he's going to be the number one choice at the moment and he is someone who has not convinced me at all in his championship career so I'm hoping that improves before the transfer window ends because otherwise then I've got massive concerns at both ends of the pitch Justin yeah you, you make some good good points but I think uh, it, it it does seem a bit of a cliche as I've said already but Neil Warnock is just a key factor in all of this you look at Joe Lumley who, as you said, hasn't really convinced in his championship career. Neil Etheridge was brought into Cardiff from Walsall, a bit of a a bit of a, a no one really. It was a whim transfer, and he turned out to be incredibly good. Um, so I, you just can't rule out Warnock getting the best out of these players. Um, and the likes of Ikpiatsu, you're right, does miss a lot of chances. And Borough have had an issue in the last couple of seasons of of players missing key chances. But I think with this Borough side, Neil Warnock's got together a team who, as individuals, four or five players are going to pick up seven, eight, nine goals each. Not going to hit 15, 20, but they're going to get seven, eight, nine goals each. They're going to win one nil, two one. They're going to grind games out as, as Neil Warnock's sides do. I think that's the key factor here, which is why, which is why I think they're they're all good signings, and I just can't see too many issues here. Well, I'm hoping they challenge for the playoffs this season because that means we get more Neil Warnock content on the podcast across the season. <laughs> um, Justin, our roundup of our predictions then. 16th, we have got Swansea. 15th, Birmingham. 14th, we've got Reading. In 13th, we've got Peterborough. 12th, we've got Barnsley. 11th, we've got Millwall. 10th, we've got Luton. And then 9th, we have got Middlesbrough. So these have been our picks for mid-table obscurity in the championship this season, ladies and gentlemen. A quick plug 
for our new betting show over on the second tier. If you go onto your podcast platform and search second tier betting, then we are releasing episodes from Monday to Thursday, looking ahead to the new season and the opening day of the weekend with our new tipster, Jimmy the Punt. Head on over that now. It's If you just search second tier betting, it should come up in a, wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, that's pretty much it for us, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back again on Thursday for our top eight. All very exciting here. So we look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.